Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. And I'm delighted to say that this week I'm joined by Adam Reed. This is actually Adam's second appearance on the podcast. He first came on the show back in 2016 with his business partner, Paul Percival, to talk about how they created Percy and Reed and about their incredible careers in hairdressing. Adam is one of the hardest working people I know and the busiest, and his career is beyond impressive. He has worked with the biggest names in film, fashion and music, has two busy salons in London, a product line, and is generally at the peak of his profession. I've known him for over 15 years and during that time we've had some um, really intense conversations about mental health and the last time I saw Adam we decided to have one of those conversations on tape because we both believe that open and honest dialogues about mental health can only be a positive thing. I think also what I hope this conversation captures is how what you see doesn't always reflect reality There have been times when I've been in Adam's chair and he's been telling me about working with the most famous people in the world and it all sounds terribly exciting, looks incredibly glamorous and is where so many people would love to be. But the reality of what's actually going on is really a world away from what you're being told and it reminds me of that quote about checking on your strongest friends. There's a lot in this episode and so the show notes are pretty comprehensive It's honestly one of the most raw and honest conversations I think I've had in the nearly three years that I've been doing this podcast and I'm very grateful to Adam for trusting me with his story. We recorded on a sofa in one of Adam and Paul's Percy and Reed salons so there's a little bit of background noise and there is an interruption, the first one I've left in because the comedy of the timing is so real and the second one is where we had to take a quick break. All will be revealed. All the links to everything we mentioned can be found in the show notes, but without any further ado, for the second time on The Emma Gunn Show, I'm so pleased to welcome Adam Reed. Right, so Adam Reed is making his return to The Emma Gunn Show. Welcome back. Thank you very much for having... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not talking into my bright orange microphone. Thank you for having me again. Well, I know that we talked a few months ago when I came in and had my hair chopped off. Adam is the gentleman uh, who cut all my hair off that I gave to charity. Absolutely. Looks cracking, it does. <laughs> and we talked... We often in the chair have deep and meaningfuls about... Absolutely. For a long, long time we've done that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for years. Yes. It is... You, you realise it is... Um, what's the year now it will be it's like 16 17 years yes. 
It absolutely is. That's so weird. So, and also, so you've known my ups and downs through all of that time, yeah. hair and personal. So, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and there's, and recently, like every time I come and sit in your chair, you'll be like, read this book, read that book, and I do dutifully, literally in the chair, buy them, buy an app. Sorry, I do support the high street as well. Um, <laughs> but then they get delivered, and they're always really, really good reads. And so we talked about getting a conversation on tape. Yes, about mental health, anxiety, depression, because we both feel that it's something that we need to talk more openly about. To share, yeah. Mm. So, yeah. in terms of you and your mental health, how would you, in a nutshell, describe it? And then we'll begin to unpick it. <laughs> I would describe it as a tempestuous relationship. Mm -hmm. That's exact... I think that's exactly how... Especially now, when I understand it a lot more, mm -hmm. it's tempestuous. And uh, even tempestuous whilst having gained some control over it. Yeah, without a doubt. Mm. Without a doubt, because sometimes it really takes me by surprise. And I think yeah. the thing from... I'm going to talk very personally. Mm -hmm. So when I say things, I, I'm, I would never put... I'd never bracket it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because I think everybody feels it differently. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to talk very personally about the way that it affects me. But yeah, sometimes it really comes up and takes me by surprise. Oh, no way. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, so a quick note. We are recording in uh, Percy and Reed, which is one of your salons. Absolutely. And it is a working salon, so there may be the odd background noise. I did and think it was the... We don't open East on a Monday... But obviously we're getting deliveries. So. Yes, well, you're a busy business. <laughs> so you were talking about you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever bracket any of these experiences. They're Absolutely. all very personal to you. It's very, very personal. And I found with talking about mental health, it's so personal for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I also have learned a lot from listening to other people's experiences. And that's one of the reasons we're chatting today. Yes. And actually, one thing I've always thought about people who do your sort of job is, I mean, how many people might you potentially stand behind and do their hair on a daily basis? Oh, it's, well, I, I would say on a day when I'm in the salon, it's 10. But then I meet mass, I teach, mm. so I travel, I meet loads of young hairdressers. You know, I meet a lot of journalists. I meet all sorts of people. Yeah, continuously. And that's what I've always wondered. And especially as I've got to know you better over the years, I've wondered... The easiest thing to do with you, because you're a very warm, open person, is just go, this is what's happening in my life. Blech. Here, yeah. Adam, help me make sense of it. And if you're having your own issues, that's a real struggle. It can be a distraction, which can take the attention away, which can be harmful in, it, in and of itself. But it can also mean that you never get a chance to... I, what, I tell you what it does, it confuses me sometimes, because you become like... You know, when people self-diagnose and they go onto Google and mm -hmm. there are other search engines. <laughs> when people go onto Google and they read something, sometimes you'll hear something and you're like, oh, actually, do I do that? Mm. Um, and also, you are like a sponge and I really believe in taking on negative energy. And sometimes if somebody comes in and dumps... Mm you are left with that negative energy. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, because I think that's a part of my job. And I think the way that I talk about mental health, I'm allowing people to talk to me quite mm -hmm. openly about their mental health. Mm -hmm. um, I I did start Reiki a 
probably a year and a half ago. And I found that that's brilliant. I'm a real believer as well in if something works for you, it works for you. And whether it is a placebo effect or it actually does work, Mm -hmm. if it is working, it's really good. And Reiki really did work for me. And I Mm -hmm. felt that there was a cleansing element of that that was brilliant. I'm also massively into crystals. Are you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've used them and my family use them really really base level but it really helps because I think it is about setting a mindset yeah so from that perspective Mm. I'll often have certain crystals and what have you that I feel help protect me Mm. and that's just like a filter helps me filter yeah I think anything any uh totem or whatever it is whether Uh, it's figurative literal whether it's something you carry in your bra or your pocket I don't wear a bra <laughs> I don't need to yeah um no I also and as you know I also burn so we sage mm. and we palo santo the house and verba mate and we keep it really clean through scent um, interesting negative positive all of those things and that really helps me so when did when did you start doing that it's it's probably worth going back mm-hmm. and then bring coming up exactly, through my journey yeah, yeah. when we chat mm-hmm. because it's something I've always been massively interested in but it's something that I've really started doing over probably the last four years mm-hmm. okay Palo Santo is probably a year but pr- one of my favorite what is Palo Santo? Palo Santo is a American wood I think it's Central America and it is from let me th- I think it's a religious tree or something to okay. do with a tree. We'll find that out mm-hmm. and I can give you the in details. The show notes. <laughs> and actually I buy it in sticks of wood and I burn it as the wood. Oh, like okay. I do with sandalwood, like I do with sage. Um, okay. And we burn them in a shell. It's a special way. And again, I'll give you the show that for the show notes. Okay, brilliant. Thank Begins you. With a, but I can't quite remember. It's like a beautiful shell and you burn it in that and there are holes in the bottom so it really, the fragrance comes out. Oh, it's quite wow. beautiful. So we burn those naturally and then I do buy Paolo Santo and Annie de Maumiao mm-hmm. who seasonally retunes me as well with a facial, her products. Oh, wow. Oil, um, she always puts Paolo Santo in the middle of my chest before she starts. So I've got that smell and that's where that came from. Oh, okay. So she's one of my absolute lifesavers. But again, let's yeah. let's start right at the beginning and go through. So let's start right <laughs> at the beginning. So my mental health journey, I would absolutely 100% say that I was operating on low level depression for, I, I'd probably say from my, from 11. Yeah. 12 maybe. I, so I'm not gonna go into too much detail here. When I was at primary school, I was bullied. I went to school down in Somerset and I depression was quite prevalent in my family. And we've always talked about it and we've always understood it, which I think is a really, really positive thing. Well, some of us have talked about it. Um, I, at school, was bullied. Now, I, I always remember my childhood as a very happy time, but at school I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I knew I was different, but I didn't quite understand. And I this is sort of a little bit of a cliche when you say it. But um, down in Somerset, when did I go to school? How I, 80s? 80s, yeah, it was. I was. I was a bit different. And I was bullied for that. I also think 
that I suffered from mental health issues when I was quite young. Mm -hmm. Because of that, because of the fact I think it's a natural thing. Mm -hmm. My grandfather committed suicide when I was 13 and I found that really difficult. Um, but I probably was bullied from primary school. Mm -hmm. So I also am gay mm -hmm. and then didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. It was the 80s, you know, down in Somerset. I, probably now it's not talked about, then mm -hmm. it definitely wasn't talked about. And I wanted to be a hairdresser and I, everything that you would stereotype, I was basically, mm. I would come up to London and buy clothes from Red or Dead and go to American classics. And I remember Vivian Westwood did a, a thing for Littlewoods magazine then. And I bought girls jeans because they were Vivian Westwood. Mm. It was like, I wanted to be myself, but it was quite hard. I remember when my grandfather died, I had a counselor at school and I think that they said I was suffering from depression and you're treated as such. I live with my grandmother from quite a young age who I absolutely loved. Um, I had a great relationship with all of my family, but I live with my grandmother mm. and I've got two sisters who are brilliant we're very different but I think that I had these issues there mm -hmm. I remember when I was young and it's always a source of sort of quite comedy value would nick alcohol from my grand's my nan's drinks cabinet mm -hmm. and get quite drunk with one of my friends from school Tara who all my friends were girls girls liked me boys didn't like me because girls liked me mm -hmm. because I was quite camp well, I wasn't actually camp, but I did dress quite camp, I suppose. Mm. Camp not being a nice word when you say it. But then I also had some of the real tough guys at school that really got on with me. Mm. So there was this real conflict there. I, I, I then went into hairdressing and I absolutely loved it. And I sort of really found my calling and I'd left school. But where I lived... I moved away. I left Minehead. I went to work in a salon in Taunton, which was our nearest town. And then I left there and went to work in Wales. Mm. When I went to work in Wales, I never wanted to go back. I actually, some of the people frightened the living daylights out of me yeah. and the fear really came in then. Yeah, right. And I just was like, I don't really want to go back there. And I did every now and again. I had girlfriends at this point as well. Mm. So quite conflicting, mm. really. I then moved back from Wales and... I had a skin problem and in that time I once my mum lent me her car and a friend of mine and I drove to London and went to heaven oh I know and <laughs> what was really interesting is I bumped into somebody who I knew from Taunton in heaven and I also bumped into somebody from Wales. Such a strange thing because then communication was so different. Mm. We didn't have mobile phones. Mm. You had pay phones. You wrote to people. Anyway, we started a relationship and we were together for quite a long time. And I moved to London. So in that period from primary school to then, I had probably what you say was a stereotypical young gay man's life in the 80s mm -hmm. you hid how you felt 
Mm. You were scared to talk about it. I was suffering from mental health issues underlying. I think my bad relationship with alcohol started then. Mm -hmm. I, at that time, became baptized as a Mormon because I think that I was looking for something. Mm -hmm. I've always had a very strange relationship with religion because I've always thought that I would find protection in religion. <laughs> I don't quite know why. Was, I was, was born to have a Christian, so... It's a strong message that comes out of churches, though. Oh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And actually, I felt security in that. Um, and then I moved to London. Um, and I love living in London. Mm. But I was very uncomfortable at the time talking about the fact that I was gay because of what happened when I was younger. Right. And I think that plays hugely with your mental health. Um, I found it really hard to hold a relationship mm -hmm. um and yeah i was really really ambitious as well mm. and i think there is something that joins all of that together i wanted to prove something i never set out to be successful i'm not i didn't ever want to be in f the front really mm. but i always wanted to do really well in hairdressing did you want to be accepted? I think so. Mm. And I think I've always wanted that. And what's really interesting is, I know we've talked about this, I, I look back on certain periods of my life, and not, not that I'm ashamed because I'm here today because of things that have happened, but there were some things I found it really hard to have an understanding of my mind. Mm. And then you didn't really talk about things mm. and you didn't share things so I think that what happened was in my head I stored it all yeah. and for somebody who's got a very active mind yeah. having all of that in there can be quite hard to deal with mm -hmm. I've described it previously where every single thought you have is is in your brain it's like a ticket thing goes off and it's a th it's a piece of paper yeah and you throw it into the back of a room and then by the time you get to your 20s that room is just a big old mess well mine is a library so I do it exactly the same yeah so mine is a library and how I see my mind is a library but all of the books are chucked around and the books are open and mm -hmm. there's no compartmentalization mm -hmm. is that a word yeah yeah so say we look at that shelf and that looks tidy. Mine would not look like that. Right. So in it, I've got my creative, mm -hmm. which is continual. Mm -hmm. I've got my memories and my mind really stores. I've got what's going on on a day-to-day. -day. I've got hurt. Mm. I've got happiness. I've got really great memories. I've got memories that are quite sad. I've got memories of sheer and utter embarrassment of things mm. that I may have done. Um, and do you feel them as acutely as you did the day they happened? Without any shadow of a doubt. Mm. Um, so then I, my 20s were a real mix of success with work, mm. with friendships. I've had friends as well. My sister and I've, I have my sister and two friends and we've been friends since we were little mm. and we've always been there for each other. So I'm exceptionally lucky and mm. I don't think many people have that. And some, when we see each other, it's like we've 
I know it's cliche, but it's like we've never not seen each mm-hmm. other or there may not have been the gaps. Um, and, but then I've had other friends that have come into my life that t- in my 20s, I met some people that absolutely are my friends that will be there. Um, and actually, my 20s weren't too bad. And I think because I was quite happy, I put, my mind sat a little bit more rested. Mm-hmm. I then moved to New York just before my grandmother passed away in my 20s, in my late 20s. And actually, I handled that quite well. Mm-hmm. I Way better than I thought I would and way better than a lot of people thought I would, I think, because we were exceptionally close. Um, I then moved to New York and in New York... I loved living in New York, but I realized there I I had an alcohol problem. Right. So that's when I first realized that my relationship with alcohol wasn't a good relationship. Um, and I had drunk too much and I'd been living in London. So I had lived within it. There were certain things mm-hmm. excessive and what have you. Um, yeah so in New York I realized there were a couple of times I felt quite lonely in New York Mm. um and I had the most incredible experience but yeah I realized there that I had a problem with alcohol um when you when you say a problem just a dependence to get through the day or quantity well do you know what I was never a drinker in the day I would drink too much Mm Saying I was never a drinker in the day, there were a couple of times in New York when I was on my own that I did drink in the day. Mm. And I strategized my drinking. Strategized a word, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I would go out and buy vodka because you didn't smell it. Mm-hmm. And then I would blame how I felt on being ill. Right. So when my partner at the time came home, I'd have said I had a, I had been sick or something Mm -hmm. so i never said i'd been drinking in the day um also i've always been exposed to amazing people who are quite troubled and again i'm not going to mention names Mm. because i don't think this is about that but some quite prolific people who had mental health issues who had suicide has been quite prevalent in Mm. my life Mm. um throughout my whole life and I always was massively interested. And I think at the time it's because I wouldn't, I wasn't facing my mental health issues, but I was seeing what other people were doing and trying to manage it through mm-hmm. what I was seeing. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, then when I moved back from New York, I think everything went tits up basically for me. I, that's tough it is tough and it's not something that I've ever talked about in any detail to anybody but I got a terrible drinking problem I did things that I actually can't think about now because I'm mortifiedly embarrassed mm-hmm. by. and I did those when I was drunk mm-hmm. I had a terrible relationship with money mm-hmm. I had a terrible relationship with people i i definitely moved myself away from people and only allowed my friends to see certain things i got in with the wrong crowd of people i was that drunk person who people 
would have a laugh with. So I would do stupid things that every time I woke up, I couldn't believe that I'd done it, mm. but sort of didn't mind it because I'd made people laugh and what have you. Mm. Um, and I would say from 31 to 35 was a terrible period and certain things happened that made me really reassess. Mm -hmm. So in that time, I started to see a therapist who really, really helped me, that allowed me to see that this was okay, that I could get through it, mm -hmm. that I was quite unhealthy, both mentally and physically, and that I did need some work. Mm. And also, they were so honest that actually what they did, a really good friend of mine, and again, she doesn't really know that she did this. She was very, she's somebody that I've always spoken to, candidly, and she told me that I could go and see somebody to help me with this. And she didn't know that I did go and see and what mm. have you, but it was a catalyst. It didn't happen straight away. And, but it did happen. And I really worked on mm. it. So I th saw a therapist who talked about my history, why I could be feeling the way I was feeling and massively said I wasn't suffering from depression, which I had been told I had been suffering from. Mm -hmm. I was suffering from acute and severe anxiety, mm -hmm. which was a game changer for me because I was trying to deal with depression. Right. Now I have low lying depression. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was totally the opposite. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't think I was suffering from anxiety. I thought I was just suffering from depression. But I was suffering from severe anxiety and low-lying depression. So severe and acute anxiety, low-lying depression. Jeez, that's quite a combination. It's quite a combination, but it's quite common. Um, and it's quite common that people that suffer from depression suffer from anxiety and <coughs> the other way around. And some people don't deal mm -hmm. with it. And I found this out since just by talking to people. Um, it's often in creative people, but that's not, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's not just how it is. Um, uh, alcohol and substance abuse is often a way of dealing with it. Mm. They also determined that I'd had two breakdowns in when I was 34. And I was so scared to talk about it. And again, you've been on, you've seen me on this journey. Mm. And there was a real horrible period in my life where I, yeah, I was quite a mess really. Um, and then I started to turn it around. Mm -hmm. So that's seven. No, so then <laughs> looking back on it, I, yeah, that carried on then. Um, and although I was speaking to somebody, I was still drinking and I wasn't in the right relationship or the relationships. Mm. I was scared to talk about it. And then one day, and it literally was one day. That door's open. <laughs> I'll be one minute. Is there a ghost? <laughs> there is. So the doors just swung open. Last time we were here, the dogs were barking at the yeah. ghost downstairs. Yeah, there is. Yeah. There is. So yes, I then knew it was now or never and I'd done something really, really silly under the influence of alcohol. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I can remember messaging Paul, my business partner, who 
has been a continual support through this. He's mm. been incredible. Mm. He understands it. He never questions it. He supported it. He allows me to talk about it. He sometimes offers his opinion. He often doesn't. And I think he fully understands when I need it and when I don't. Mm. But that day I messaged him and said, okay, I'm going to go to AA. Mm-hmm. And from that day, I've never touched alcohol. I didn't stick with AA because it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And that was the changing point for me. What do you think it was about AA? Well, AA for me, I I think it's brilliant. And I think definitely with any type of addiction, one size definitely doesn't fit mm. all. And AA didn't fit me. Mm. Do you know what? I, I think there was too much structure for me. Right. Um, self-help was way better for me. Mm-hmm. Sharing people's, like, sharing people like mine's experience. Mm. And don't get me wrong, because I've still been to meetings. Yeah. And sometimes I really feel the need to go. Yeah. And I, I went for quite a bit at the beginning, but since then I've been and I've not been and mm. I've never had a really long-term relationship with AA, mm-hmm. whereas I have with self-help right and I have found podcasts really good for me mm-hmm. um and I found certain people and again I think we'll go into this a bit later you know who exactly who I'm talking about that I've read <laughs> that I literally am like game changer mm-hmm. um but for me talking and having a much more personal relationship with my addiction has been better mm-hmm. and do you know what's really interesting I don't particularly like the anonymity of AA. Interesting. Yeah. That didn't work for me. Although there was one guy who was there on the day that I first went. And I went to Canary Wharf because that was the only place that there was a meeting. Mm -hmm. That day, I rang Paul actually that morning and said, I'm going to AA and I'm not going to drink from here. Um... But I met one guy and I've stayed in contact with him. But other than that, it was too anonymous for me. I, right. I used to go to one in Beth in East London and th- there were a couple of people who I really liked, but I didn't see them every time. And yeah, it just didn't work for me. But I do think it's really good. And I, one of the things that I would say is find what works for you. Yeah. And I think sometimes I remember like it's a completely ridiculous example in comparison to AA. But when it comes to weight loss, I remember somebody saying Absolutely, to me, yeah. somebody saying to me once, if you, if you really don't have a clue, just go to someone like Weight Watchers. Yes, totally. Or Slimming World, because they make millions doing this. And, and they do it really well. And yeah. And, and AA does it really well. Yeah, you might not stick with it, but at least it will be your entry point and someone's holding your hand. And what's really important here is an entry point is so important because my real belief with my awareness of my own mental health is some things haven't worked for me and it is due to the timing of when I've done it. Right. <clears throat> so therapy didn't work for me. And I always was like, I'm not going to see a therapist to begin with. Mm. I'm not going to see a therapist. I'm not going to see a counselor because I don't want to open that can of worms. And if I open that can of worms, I'm never going to be able to close it again. And did you know there was a can of worms? Oh yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've spoken about the tip of the iceberg mm. today. Mm. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think without that's... a doubt. I think that's really interesting because I'm sure there'll be listeners because for me, I didn't realise there was a can of worms. And do you know what? 
I, as I said right at the beginning, I'm the person who I am today because of that can mm. of worms. So my can of worms is my library. Mm. So where these books and where all of this paper and I've got the most incredible shelves, but the books are everywhere. Yeah. I've needed to put them away where they are. Yeah. They're never going to go. They're always going to be there. And that's absolutely right. Because if you numb it out, that book will come flying out of that shelf mm. one day and frighten the life out of you. And that can, I think that can be detrimental to your journey to recovery with mm. mental health, with addiction, with anything. Um, and the way that I think about that, those things is I've always had a bad, I've always had a bad relationship with eating. I've had a bad mm. relationship with my body image. I've had a bad relationship with alcohol. I've had a bad relationship with relationships. Mm. It's like, they sit in my library, mm. like any library, it's com compartmentalized and it's, those things sit in those places and that's your makeup. It is important to put those where they should be. To accept them. Yes, And yeah. not be defined by them. Because it's interesting what you say, you know, I have a bad relationship with relationships. I have a bad relationship with food. And there's a lot to unpick there. But I, for me personally, I don't know if you've had to do this. I've had to go, I am not very good at blah, but I'm working on getting better. Oh, totally. Without any shadow of a doubt. Whereas before I used to chastise myself constantly for being Me terrible. too. <laughs> and I'm going to, in a minute, talk about the guy who unknowingly in the last year, year and a half, has changed everything about the way that I think. You know exactly mm. what know I'm talking exactly about. And I literally about. sing this guy's praises mm. from the top of my voice because sometimes anybody that looks at my Instagram will know what mood I'm in. Mm. And I know I love Instagram because I'm visual. Mm. And I use Instagram very much for my work my Instagram is a personal Instagram. Mm -hmm. So it's about what is ticking inside my head. Mm. Um, and I probably it is my library because on any one day, I, I put a lot of quotes up and I talk quite openly now because I think this is really important. Um, but I, everybody knows how I feel because of my quotes or how people say things. But sometimes it's the tiniest little thing that is the positive trigger. And where we then were talking about some of the things that we have a bad relationship. So I look, I looked seven years ago when I gave up alcohol to now. And a lot of my relationships with the things that I have relationships with are brilliant. Mm. And I would say they now, the positive outweighs by far the negative. Mm -hmm. I still have a huge issue, body image issue. And that's why probably I'm covered in tattoos and I wear shoes that are ridiculous. <laughs> and I always wear a hat and things that people can focus on, they're not focusing on me. Mm. But I wear things that make me happy. Yeah. I'm in a, my family is so important to me and I've got the most incredible partner who literally I can say to him, I feel getting really emotional and you know me, I don't get mm. emotional. But I can say to him, I'm we feeling a little bit anxious now. Mm. And he'll just say, I think you're doing really well. And I think that's quite incredible because I can say that I'm feeling anxious and I can put it out there. Mm. And actually and I can say anything. Like, oh, I look quite fat in that, in that picture. And do you know what he doesn't go? No, you don't. Because he knows that what I see is me looking around or whatever. But mm. he'll then say, 
I think you look really good. And that's what I need. Mm. So I've got a great partner. Paul, my business partner, mm. is incredible at assessing me. And I don't think I'm the easiest person to part with. And one of the things that Paul... I'm definitely not the easiest person to part with. I wear my heart on my sleeve so I say exactly how I feel and I think sometimes that can be hard. Right. Paul absolutely knows when and when not to respond. And I think we always say we've been, our relationship has lasted longer and is stronger than more marriages and in this day and age. And it is so true. My best friends I can still talk to. <coughs> People want to share their mental health issues and feel comfortable talking to me about it. Mm. But going back to that one person mm. who's really helped me, mm. an author called Matt Haig. Yeah. And I, he's written two books, Reasons to Stay Alive. Without a doubt, a game changer for it's me. It's a one sitting book. It's a one sitting book. I bought that book in Dublin Airport because of the cover Which and because it was audience. a small book. Yeah. I saw it, no idea who he was, no idea what it was about. He a million percent has lived my life or I've lived his life with regards to my, how I was told my mental health was manifesting itself having anxiety not depression mm -hmm. having them both understanding that he then wrote notes on a nervous planet which to me is one of the best books a really good friend of mine sarah years ago recommended me james frey's books of million little pieces mm -hmm. and then his other books and i remember them being a game changer for me um matt Haig and then oprah mm, well yeah has what been is it? huge uh what i know for sure what i know for sure and again this is positive thinking this is nothing you don't know M none of what matt haig writes is some nothing you don't know mm. he is literally stating it mm. there's a thing with regards to body image N notes on a nervous planet is a game changer mm -hmm. and he writes it so compassionately but so honestly that when you read it what he does is he just put things in your head right. And there's one thing that I always remember where he said, can I swear? No. Yeah, of course you can. With regards to mental body image mm -hmm. is the beach doesn't give a fuck what you look like. <laughs> and he was talking about sh naming and shaming in magazines yeah. and swimwear and body shaming. And I will not go on the beach without a vest on mm. and shorts and what have you. Because I thought everybody would be looking at me. Mm. And literally, I it changed the way I thought. Nobody's looking at me. Mm -hmm. The beach ain't looking at me. And it made me happier about my body. And the way that you think and the way what is being put into your mind that is making you mm. think. It's, they're incredible. And Oprah... The law of attraction. I The law of attraction was brought to me so strangely. Have we got time for me to tell you? Very course, top line. And you know how this happened. Yeah. I put a post on Instagram. I was feeling particularly low. I, I was feeling incredibly anxious. And I was writing about the fact that when you're in that situation, your mind, 
the logic in your mind is saying this will be gone in three days mm. you will not be feeling this in three days but you still cannot not feel that mm. horrific feeling of anxiety mm. and if you suffer from anxiety horrific doesn't even touch on it mm. so I put this post out because that's how I was feeling that day and a young man messaged me on Instagram to say today you saved my life from the point of view of he didn't know who I was never met me we've stayed in contact from this he had his aunt had shown him that post and said look everybody feels like this you can get through this mm. and he'd been suffering from anxiety we went backwards and forwards and talked a little bit about it and I asked how he was coping with it I shared with how I cope with it which again will go very top line over mm -hmm. in a minute but he said with the help of other people and seeing some specific numbers <clears throat> 11 11 and I mm -hmm. said okay just hold on can we just go back I see 333 the whole time I see it everywhere and he said that's your angel number and we went through this and he said this is the law of attraction and strangely at that point I knew nothing about the law of attraction and that's when I started reading about that finding out about it and it sits just incredibly with everything else mm -hmm. that I was working on and that's when I started reading Oprah because she's a huge believer in the law of attraction mm. the teachings of Abraham the secret and at that point I was on work uh, on a work trip with a colleague she started talking to me about it we bought the secret I read it I de-americanized it for myself <laughs> and took what I needed and it was a game changer yeah, and it was, um, I bought Law of Attraction of in the course. chair. <laughs> I had to read it out loud. Oh, me too. And actually, do you know what? That's where audiobooks come in really well. Yes. Because it's a struggle to read. It's a struggle. And actually, sometimes you have to decipher it and you've missed things by deciphering. And yeah. it can be quite hard. Mm. And um, it's, that's where the audiobook is really good. I'm all about audiobooks. And actually, I've started reading Recovery by Russell Brand. Oh, it's brilliant. With the audiobooks. So yes. He's reading it to me. I it's like absolutely it. brilliant. But I've stopped because I have to stop and get a book and do the exercises because you can't just, you can't yeah. move through the chapter. Totally. And, and actually, <clears throat> because you know Russell Brand as a, not as a friend, but as a person, mm. I sometimes find it really hard mm. because he's been through so much. But you do, he's you hear his comedy yeah, yeah yeah and I think that's great yes now let's if you don't mind if we can just talk about anxiety a little bit yeah and how it manifests because um again I've said I think I was operating on low level depression for a long time but I also think I had anxiety from a very young age like, yeah I went to go and sit a school entrance exam and the headmaster came down the stairs and he had one of those big headmaster cloaks on and he had a, a gold or a silver tooth, I can't really remember. And I just freaked the, mm. freaked the F out and couldn't do the exam and hid behind my mother's skirt and all that kind of stuff. So like the signs were there. Yeah. Uh, what I think maybe exacerbated my situation definitely was, well, people and <laughs> working environments. Yeah. Because I was always so worried about what other people thought of me. And then when that 
graduated to me working on a celebrity magazine and spending time on celebrity shoots, I think it became incredibly acute. Yeah. And I think anxiety is an in, it's a really, really hard puzzle mm. to put together. And people just call you highly strong or too sensitive. Or totally. And a lot of people don't believe in anxiety and like, oh, go for a walk or do this or do that. And it literally, unless you, so anxiety is an illness. Mm-hmm. It's horrific. I suffer from social anxiety, so I find it hard to be. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In social situations. Mm. Um, and what's interesting about that is that's where alcohol played a huge part in allowing me then to do, to go out and do stuff. It's the gateway to chit chat. It is, yeah. And also to not be as nervous or as uncomfortable in those situations. Um, it's terrible when people think that you're really confident and you're actually not. It's really embarrassing. Well, it has been mm. for a long time to talk about anxiety because oh, I think with any mental health problem, mental health is exactly the same as having a disease or having a lung problem or a liver problem or a broken leg, um, it can be dealt with with medication mm-hmm. or meditation or however you choose to deal with it, but it is an illness. Yeah. Um, I was mortified to talk about it. As I said, I didn't actually even know. I had anxiety for a long time. Mm. And when you know and it's explained to you, it's incredible. You know I was insomniac for years. Yes. I found it difficult to go out. I was finding it more and more difficult to go out. I found it difficult to be in social situations. If I got anxiety at home, I would become scared of what my mind was thinking. Mm -hmm. Whether that be that I would end up homeless. That's a big one for me. I would lose everything. That I would have a car crash and I would break my leg Mm. and something would happen to my hip. That was a really big thing for me. I don't quite know where that came from. Um, There were a couple of other things that really, really manifested themselves within Mm. my anxiety. When that would happen, it would be horrific. Yeah. Like absolutely horrific. And that could go on for a couple of days. Um, and sometimes it would go and then sometimes it would come back very quickly. Sometimes it wouldn't come back for mm. quite a while. And then when it didn't come back for quite a while, I'd be totally relieved and then it would hit me in the middle of the night. Mm. So that's... Were you able to block it in the day? Sorry to interrupt, but... No. 
because <laughs> that's what I think. When I look back and I, I just had uh, Dr. Rongan Chatterjee on the podcast and he talked about micro doses of stress and how if in the morning you're exposed to 20 micro doses of stress, then by the time you get to work, a very small thing becomes something you react in a big way yeah. to. And I definitely would say I was like that in my old job because I had so many micro stresses yeah. just around that role that when I would get in the office, I'd be a complete psycho. Well, do you know what's quite interesting is I always try to hide it, mm. but it's always, it's always there. Mm. And I remember there were times when I was younger where I couldn't work out what it was but I'd actually be really upset and start crying mm. for no reason. Literally, I'd be like, I've no idea why I'm doing this. Mm. Um, I'd often walk, go and walk and end up walking for ages and mm. be in the middle of nowhere and not quite sure how I got there and what have you. As I got older, I've definitely been able to deal with it more. Mm. Also, I'll tell people that I'm quite anxious, mm. um, which I never used to do. Yeah. That's always helped. Yeah. Um, but no, mine. I, I would say I was anxious more than I wasn't. Right. And it was always there lying yeah. low. Which is, which is really scary. Yeah, it is. It is, and also I got. I do believe that that has a stress on your body. Yeah. Um, and way more than I ever thought it did. Mm. And I think the effect that it has on your health is is quite a big thing. Mm. I know it was for me, but then also because I had my problems with food, like I didn't eat properly, and I. So that had a issue mm. that had ongoing issues with your my body would you say now seven years <laughs> sober and being in therapy and um you've I th with my family yeah and with all of the things that you've put in place do you feel a sense of peace yeah I do and I have a much better understanding of my anxiety and I would say I've worked really hard over the last year and I'm able to control it more. Mm. Um, not drinking coffee has been mm. a big thing. Not being overstimulated, reading a lot more herbal tea. Yeah, you know, I gave. I've given up dairy recently. I do still, if I fancy a bit of cheese. You know, uh, one of the things that my doctor recently told me, I've got hereditary high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, I'm lowering my cholesterol. But she said, if you do feel like things, don't not allow your body to have them. Mm. And I think that's key. Everything like She was like, literally, you've, in the last seven years, you've given a lot up. Mm. You still do need to treat yourself. That's as important as managing mm. what you're doing. And she said, so if you do fancy a bit of cheese, you'd be silly not to have it and what have you. <laughs> Um, and I've also got to a point where like, I don't miss alcohol. I don't miss mm. smoking. I don't miss um, going out and eating, you know. Because I think sometimes when you're on the other side of it and you're, you're looking at you mm. from the perspective of someone who is still drinking, who's still perhaps eating, oh, yeah. who's still smoking or doing things that they don't want to be doing, where you're sitting can seem very unattainable and a bit like, oh, it's easy for you to say 
but it has been hard for you to do. Oh, it's been so hard. It's been way harder than anybody will ever know. Mm. And I fought a huge personal battle as well. Mm. But I found 80% now of things that work for me. Yeah. Because it's not gone and I don't think it'll ever go. Mm. I just manage it a lot better now. I did have an anxiety attack two nights ago and I literally was like, God. So when they happen now, mm. it does take me a little bit by surprise. So yeah. that's always positive. Yeah. It's hard when it happens. But it does take me by surprise. So that's positive because it isn't happening as much. Mm. Really interestingly, I've made my living room my sanctuary. And just before Christmas, I, and I'm lucky, I'd saved up and had a wood burner fitted. And just watching also, the flames okay, is relaxing. You can say you're lucky, but listeners, Adam is probably one of the hardest working people <laughs> I've ever met in my entire life. I do like to work hard. But we saved up and bought a wood burner. Mm has been the best thing looking at the flames mm. um having the heat mm -hmm. seeing it we've made this little area of our living room a, a sanctuary we live very modestly mm. we do and that's <laughs> something else i've learned i used to want a huge house mm. i used to want to drive a fast car i used to want millions of pounds in the bank mm. i couldn't be further from that person because I don't think that's going to make me happy. Mm. I've eliminated, I was saying there was a period in my life where I, and again, these people aren't bad. Mm. They're just bad for me. Yep. And that's another thing that I've realized that there are people that are bad for you. 100%. That does not make them a bad person. Far in no from way. it. In no way, yeah, I agree. And what I've learned is that for no reason at all do I need those bad people in my life mm. they're never ever going to do me any good and I probably will never do them any good mm. because that's being a human mm. so what I did was eliminated people that just we didn't work together mm. for my life and that's been amazing because actually when I get home I can sit in my bubble mm. and it's lovely mm. and I, I've probably done that in every area as well. I've also realized that I do need time for myself. Up until a short time ago, I never took a holiday and I never mm. thought that I deserved a holiday. Whereas now, Thailand is my spiritual home. Uh, Asia is my spiritual home. I honestly feel that I've been in Asia before some time. Mm. I feel at peace there. I feel at peace with the people. I've learned to meditate there. I have learned to be more accepting of myself there. So we go on holiday mm. and we try to go to, to Asia every mm. year because I think that actually that's an important thing for me to do. Again, people may say, yeah, but I can't do that. Mm. There was definitely a time in my life that I couldn't do that. And when I'm saying yes to work that I do now... I'm thinking these are the things that are going to be really important to me this year. And actually, I don't go out mm. at all, really. We go, we walk a lot. We rescue dogs. We, you know, we have mm. that. I love to buy books. Um, and they're the things that when I'm working, I think that they're important to me. And that's what I'm going to do. I think a key element here as well is 
talking about control. Uh, uh, well, I'm always I'm always wary of using the word control because it can have very negative can, connotations yeah. in terms of mental health and physical health. But I think one of the things that was a real game changer for me was realizing that I had control without any shadow of a doubt, and that first of all there was no shame in um, there was no shame in needing to see a counselor or see a therapist and i i used to yep. have i used to have people say it to me maybe you should go and speak to someone and i would feel so insulted oh without a doubt i'd feel like oh oh too busy for me are you i would i would see yeah. it as rejection me too also i didn't want to admit yeah that i did need to see somebody mm. honestly it's a game changer for me and i think it's the most important thing to do and do you know what i always say talking without a doubt is the most important thing that you can do mm. and sharing is caring mm. uh, and last year and again I don't talk about this massively I lost a few friends through suicide male friends mm. who literally I felt that I'd failed one or two of them mm. because they hadn't talked to me um, and I hadn't because I understand, but I was always like, do you know what? Sometimes just talking about it is the best thing you can do. Mm. And well, most of the time. Yeah. And the caveat I would, the only caveat I would give is sometimes your friends and family don't have the answers. And that's when a counselor is amazing. Because totally. They can sit there quietly for 45 minutes and. And the Samaritans. Mm, yeah. Don't underestimate mm. how incredible the Samaritans are. Mm. I've rung them many a time. Yeah. Just to say, is this normal? Mm. Am I fe the way that I'm feeling now feels like it's drowning me and I mm. cannot keep my head above water. And you put the phone down and your head is nicely above water. Yeah. Um, but actually sometimes if, and another thing I think is really important to say, that if, Somebody says to you, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed. E even if you can't help them, mm. like I'm saying, you're saying, sorry, like you're saying then, sometimes it isn't your family that can help, mm. it isn't your friends. Your friends can point you in the right direction. Mm. And as a friend or a family member, if somebody does speak to you for help, please do point them in the right direction. Yeah. Whether that's the Samaritans whether that's a counsellor, whether that's a doctor, mm -hmm. um, even if you can't help, help by pointing them in the right direction. Um, and if you don't believe in anxiety and you don't think that anxiety and depression is a thing, it really is. Mm. And it's really important not to ignore that. Mm. Because if somebody is suffering from anxiety, if somebody came to you and said that they had a lump on their body mm. you wouldn't go don't worry it's nothing mm. whether you know about cancer skin growths or anything you would know that there was something wrong mm. it is so important not to dismiss mental health mm -hmm. and it honestly it's happened to me it's been dismissed mm. you literally could be tying the noose at uh, tying the knot in a noose mm. Wow. Um, and I think it is that serious. Yeah, It's been dismissed. And I know with other people that have spoken to me about it, it's been dismissed. Mm. You cannot dismiss it. 
just because you don't suffer from it does not mean it is not a real thing. Mm -hmm. Mental health is, it's the biggest killer in men in Mm. the UK. And I'm not going to be full of statistics here because I can't, but suicide is the biggest killer in men of a certain age. And again, let's find that out. I'll put it in the the notes. notes. In the UK, because of mental health, Mm. that can't be ignored Mm. or dismissed. Um, and actually, if it wasn't for counselling, for me, mm-hmm. then self-help, reading books, podcasts, and then getting control of my diet, mm. my supplements. And I think what to finish, actually, yeah. I think supplements is a good one because otherwise mm-hmm. I'll probably start repeating myself. <laughs> so... I have rituals now and routines. And this has helped with your sleep as well. This you did has helped earlier about insomnia. Everything this has helped with. Okay. So across the board, and this is a really positive thing to talk about, nobody pays me. So none of this is sponsored. And I yeah. think that this is really important. Mm. Um, and I think it's really important to say, I'm not prescribing these. I am just saying that these work for me. Yeah. I am a real believer in placebo effect being positive. Mm -hmm. So whether any of this is true or not, because I'm going to talk about some quite out there Mm -hmm. things, they work for me. Yeah, because it's a sense, again, it comes back to that sense of control. I'm going to do this thing (laughs) and it can be the thing that helps you move positively. Yeah, exactly. My medication, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, Annie de Malmiel. Her products and seeing her, for me, mm. game changer. So I have seasonal retuning, which can consist of her skincare, acupuncture. Mm-hmm. She, I always say this to her, what are the things that you use that give the vibration and the noise? And I cannot tell you, so maybe we'll find <laughs> that out as well. I leave Annie and I feel mm. incredible. She's also probably one of the most healing people. Mm. A small group of friends that I can talk to. Best medication ever. Mm. My routines. So, walking. Amazing. It really is probably one of the most incredible things because it gives me time to think. I get my steps in in the day. Mm. I think that I suffer from OCD in the level of there are certain things, if I do them, it's really good. And I think that because I have acknowledged this and I do it, it's only positive. Mm. A good diet mm. has been a game changer for me. A good diet in the sense of... I don't stick to a, a diet mm-hmm. of any name. I consider what I'm eating. I think about what I'm eating. I think about it being healthy. I eat lots of fruit, veg, greens, drink mm-hmm. as much water as I possibly can. I, I Now, I was talking about giving up coffee. I do have two coffees at the weekend. Mm. And I really enjoy them. And they give me a nice buzz on a Saturday. And I think that's really good. So that's thinking about, Mm. because coffee every day was really bad. I cut out a lot of dairy. Really good. I take plant sterols because they're really good for your, um, they're good for my cholesterol, which makes me feel healthier. Okay. I take a wellness formula. And again, I'll let you know exactly what that is. That a client recommended me that. Ashtawanga. I'll write that down. Probably <laughs> pronouncing that wrong. Rhodiola. 
incredible. Never even heard of it. They're br- it's brilliant. And again, they say that that's a m- good positive mood enhancer type thing. Okay. But we'll write down Is what I take. Herb? It's a herb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was prescribed sertraline from the doctor. Mm-hmm. And that low dosage mm-hmm. sertraline has been a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. And I always was like, N- I am not going to take anything mm-hmm. that is fake or is a mood enhancer or is this or that it's been brilliant Mm. and i keep up to date with my gp about that Mm -hmm. honestly it's brilliant Mm -hmm. herbal tea the best thing green tea peppermint tea at night i take celestial seasonings i drink sleepy time extra (laughs) amazing this works pillow spray oh that stuff is legend it's a legendary product Mm. it really is and again, if that is placebo or not, I know it is clinically proven, but mm. for me, it, I take it everywhere. Well, that's what I was going to say. The thing I love about this works is if you actually get yourself accustomed to it in your home, yes. it makes traveling so much easier. Absolutely. You, take it with you, you spray it on the hotel pillow. On the plane, wherever you are. Yeah. Annie Demalmi, our altitude oil. It's great for travel. I use it all the time and I use her anchor balm. So it's a balm that you put on your temples and again it has that feeling of sleeping mm. paolo santo oil mm. i pop it just sort of on my chest mm-hmm. it's amazing magnesium baths so i think yes. it's west labs that i yeah, use yeah. they have a collodial oat i think collo- collo- something collodial oat mm. and i use their rosemary spearmint that has been a game changer for me so I suffered from insomnia for years. Having my tea, having a bath, reading, mm. having a chat with Kenny and a sleep mask. And again, I'll give you the name of the sleep mask that I use. It looks ridiculous. It's amazing. And so is this at the same time every evening? Pretty much where I can. Yeah. So I go to bed. I, I try to go to bed around nine o'clock and I know mm. that's terrible, but I don't go out drinking. So that works for me. Mm. Salt, Himalayan salt lamps. Oh, yeah. Every single room of my house now has them. We have a very big one in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And CBD. Yes, you got me onto CBD oil. So I vape CBD. Mm-hmm. I go to lovecbd.com. Mm-hmm. I pay for it. It's the best thing. Mm. I vape it at night and I dab it on my tongue in the morning. Mm-hmm did give me a little bit of a tummy ache if I'm going to be really honest in the morning and vaping for me was way better. It's a game changer at just leveling me out. Mm. And I have recommended this to so many people and everybody loves it. Mm. Amiga complex. So I take Lionheart. Best thing ever. Makes me feel better. Makes me feel healthier. I, I really believe it has a big change for the way that I do things and the way that I feel and fragrancing, as I mentioned earlier. You're a big fragrance fan. I really am. And I'm really the positive feeling that fragrance evokes mm. for me is more important than anything in the world. Um, and at home, as you know, I burn a lot of scent. Mm. Earl of East London, uh, Jardin La Lune, which you'll see on the desk here. Yes. It's a really beautiful, relaxing fragrance. Diptyque Santal, mm-hmm. for me, is hugely... Fra- uh, calming mm-hmm. sandalwood obviously um i burn paolo santo i they're probably the two candles 
that we burn the most mm. to evoke the feeling of relaxation. Mm. And yeah, then my celestial seasonings, sleepy time tea. That's really good to know. I like that. And the morning ritual is, is there a well, similar sort of undoing? Water. I always do have just a normal cup of Yorkshire gold. I love Yorkshire gold. <laughs> I have almond milk. So that's what I have. I have a green juice, a peppermint tea, a green tea and a ginger ginger shot. And that's my breakfast. Lovely. So my greens, my plant sterols for my cholesterol. Yeah. Um, and it's nice and clean, nice and fresh. And then yeah. my, especially when I'm at East, I eat healthy. I do eat a lot mm. of Thai. I try to have my chilies and mm. what have you. Um, the feeling of positivity when I'm eating Thai food comes from my love of Thailand. Mm. Um, and... But again, it's healthy eating. On a Sunday, I'll always have a roast. Mm. I cook my roast potatoes in duck fat. I, do you know what I mean? Mm. I'll eat what I want to eat. If yeah. I've made a pudding, I'll have it with custard. And oh, But yeah. that's on a Sunday. Yeah. And the rest of the time, we really try to eat healthy. Like my husband and I, he's brilliant at supporting mm. me. And actually, we were talking about it yesterday. We did Amelia Freer last year to how we wanted to do it. Mm. So we used her as a guide. Yeah. And I'm not joking, it changed everything. We felt incredible. Um, and there are a lot of books. I just bought this incredible book. It's a vegan book. And I was thinking about doing this flexitarian where at your five two, mm -hmm. your two days is plant-based okay i was talking about this last night to two friends and this there's a guy and again what i'll do is i'll let you know his name for the notes yeah. he's a young chef down in brighton and I, I think it may be dan somebody but i bought his book the other day and it's brilliant and madeline shaw i bought some of her books and i just was like actually do you know what i'm going to do this mm. but how i can do it brilliant and all of this what i think is very interesting again is it's all focused focusing not on the world and what the world thinks of you it's no. focusing on you and what you think of you yourself and looking after yourself yeah and gardening in the summer helps me mm. and you know i've got my dogs mm. i'm not joking my dogs as you know are my life along with my husband and my son and my family mm. and some of my friends <laughs> but um i rescued two of my dogs and they are for me mm. definitely at one point in my life when I rescued one of them she definitely was a game changer mm. for me and my positivity which one's that I'm not going to say because it's not fair okay. on them but we don't have favorites because we love them all and they're all real characters as you know but I rescued one of them at a certain point and I know by rescuing her, I changed her life. Mm. I know by her coming into my life, she changed mine. Mm. And not everybody can rescue a dog. So don't get me wrong. But mm. we also bought our son a tortoise. I'm not joking. He changes our life on a daily basis. Um, and this is that simple things. Mm. You know, going for a walk, get a love of birds. I, everybody takes the mickey out of bird watchers. I am the biggest bird watcher. <laughs> And I grow things and plant things and feed the birds that come into my garden yeah. to get a different range of birds because we love it. Yeah. So there is something about these simple things yeah. that it's amazing, but also it gives you the routine element. Yeah. Right. 
Um, listeners, we had a loo break. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that because we were both sitting here on the sofa desperately trying to non-verbally communicate to each other that we needed to um, use the Jimmy Choo, as it is called, in Percy and Reed. <laughs> now, the thing that I was about to say to you was, um, I've heard it said before that anxiety is an obsession or paranoia about the future and about the past and anxiety is an obsession with the future. And I wondered what you felt about that. Well, do you know, for me... Oh, that's so interesting. And because I've not thought about it. I should have told you before I went in Well, the no, because I think it's really important just for it to be really honest. Because again, everybody sees things differently. Yeah. My anxiety is about the now and the future. Mm. Um, and actually, what is interesting is, because I was totally unaware of, the feelings that I was having. Mm. I'm not too worried about things. That, I never really worry about things that have happened in the past. I'm mm. a real believer in they've happened. Mm. That's done and dusted. And I have to move on. So I do think that, yeah, that yeah. the structure of that actually is really, you know, I don't really dwell on past things. Mm. I think about them. Yeah. And I'm a real positive memory person. I mm. love memories. Mm. Um, so yeah, I do think that's quite true. And, but also, like, for me, it is the fact that what I'm thinking within my anxiety, I know is ridiculous. I have one mm. part of my head going, yeah, but you know that this is ridiculous and that tomorrow mm. you're not going to feel this or the day after you're not going to feel this and mm. you're going to be thinking way more logically and well, there's a word, I can't think of the word. Mm. Um, but at the time, that makes no difference to me. Yeah. And that makes it even worse and really hard to deal with. It's hard. And also that thing of, um, I remember someone saying to me, don't believe everything you think. Oh, oh, oh I say it all the time. <laughs> that was the that was the one where I was like, oh man, I have created an entire reality. Without a doubt. With, that does not exist. Without a doubt. And paranoia. And mm. actually when I went to recently to speak to somebody, I talked about the paranoia. Mm. And it frightened the living daylights mm. out of me and it frightens the living daylights out of me because I will make these things in my head because also I'm a real, I'm really good at understanding people and yeah, you really are. and understanding situations and understanding how people's behaviours are. You see the matrix. Uh, yeah, I do. What's that? Just you can see, you go into a social situation. Yes, I do. And you will read between the lines. Yeah. And I do when somebody's, uh, I think because of a lot of things have happened, mm. like I do pride myself in understanding people's behaviours. Mm. And I do know if somebody is ripping the piss out of me. <laughs> um, I know if somebody is fake. Yeah. Um, I, I really get if somebody doesn't like me. Mm. And I'm really understanding of that. Mm. I'm respectful of that. Mm. Um, because there are people that sometimes I meet and I'm just like, God, I just, just don't particularly like you. There's mm. no, no, you've given me nothing to do that. So I understand that people are going to do that with me. Mm. It doesn't bother me. Mm. It, you know, I really understand that that is life. Mm. But sometimes when you're hyper aware in situations, whether it's of a dynamic in a room yeah. or people's underlying emotions. Totally. That becomes a burden. That's yes, it a, does. That's a lot. And something that I've learned is... A really good thing. Will this affect me? It's a five minute 
Mm. What's happening in the next five minutes? Will this affect me in five years time? Mm. I've really learned if it will or won't. Um. And I've really learned to let go of it if it won't. Mm. Because I've really learned to respect my life mm. and how I feel and how, what makes me feel okay. Mm. And if something doesn't make me feel okay, that's not okay with me. Mm. Whether that is being taken the mickey out of or mm. bullied or disrespected mm. or you know used if that's not going to be good in any way shape or form I just don't want to be a part of that anymore and I've really learned that mm. and it's brilliant and you can find the steps to remove yeah. yourself from that situation Absolutely. Or change it yeah I, I don't like to upset people and anybody that knows me mm. r knows me really mm. well knows I don't like arguing. I don't like fighting. Mm -hmm. I don't like negative confrontation. I don't like confrontation. I would steer clear of it as best possible, but I will not let anybody walk over me. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing. And that comes from the experiences of my life. Mm. It comes from setting boundaries as well early oh, on. So you don't get into those situations. Absolutely. And actually in most situations, and I think we should end mm. at this point, I'll always try to make somebody at least smile mm -hmm. because I'm not joking. When I smile, I feel better. Mm. So if I do that, I've done something good. I also love laughing. And you do have a great laugh. I do. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I do have a great you laugh. You do have a great laugh. I have quite a cheeky We'll have quite a laughing laugh. It's your face when you <laughs> laugh as well, because you, you really are enjoying well, it. Well, do you know, again, <laughs> I don't know when this is going to come out, but I, yesterday, we took my son trampolining. I don't know if you've seen I it I saw yet. that somersault. I literally did a somersault. <laughs> I laughed so much. And I felt brilliant. And and I, may, I, I do try to make people laugh. Yeah. Like, you can ask anybody that is around me a lot of the time. Mm. More than anything, I want to make people laugh. And if I leave somewhere and I've made somebody laugh or smile, mm. I really do feel like I've done a really good job. Because if somebody does that to me, I definitely remember them yeah. as a real positive. And I think when you are really, really in a strong current of anxiety or depression mm. or your mental health is really, really testing you... Mm. Watch a funny film. Watch French and Saunders. Watch Debbie Downer, the <laughs> SNL clip. That is makes me cry laughing well, every single time. There you go. Time. Or ask somebody what makes them laugh. <laughs> like I love the outtakes of Bridesmaids. <laughs> so go and watch the out, watch Bridesmaids, but watch the yeah, outtakes. Yeah. Never ever ceases to make me laugh. The outtakes of Nighty Night <laughs> never ceases to make me laugh. Some people don't get Julia Davis. I love Julia Davis. She's amazing. She's so clever. Um, who, uh, French and Saunders. Mm. Like literally French and Saunders will make me laugh at any point. Get a picture and keep that picture yeah. if it's something that's made you laugh or it's a situation that's made you laugh. Mm. You know when you sit on a bus and you think of something that and make it makes you laugh yeah there is no better feeling i don't think yeah you know drugs alcohol a massive cake 
that doesn't give you that feeling yeah. of thinking of something that has made you laugh and you sitting on a bus mm. laughing. Mm. Because I guarantee that you will make somebody around you laugh mm. because it's so contagious. It's so contagious. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. There's somebody... Uh, 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 there's something... Uh, I can't think what it I was, is. I remember when I was uh, I was covering, doing some work on a magazine and I really wasn't enjoying it. It was just like for a couple of months. and I But I had to go in. I needed the money. And I, I was in, I could feel myself getting into a very dark place. And I started listening to my dad wrote a porno and I was, oh, it's brilliant. I was howling on the train into work, like crying with laughter. It's absolutely brilliant. And it was great medicine. Well, also I was talking earlier about, uh, and again, please forgive me if you, this, you find this absolutely shocking. Um, jo Dear Joan and Jerrica, which is Julia Davis mm -hmm. um, and Vicky Pepperdine. Oh, it's hilarious. It's so inappropriate. And actually, <laughs> I know that this happened to me and I know that this happened to other people. I would listen to it when I was on the bus or on the tube. And I honestly, at some points, were like, oh my God, my earphones, people are going to be able to hear this and they <laughs> cannot hear this. It's brilliant. Another really good podcast to listen to is Fern Cotton, mm. Happy Place. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get her on this show. She's amazing. Mm. Firstly... Fern is probably one of the nicest people you're ever likely to meet. I I really believe this. She's a good person to have around. Mm. I've worked with her a few times and she was always just very, Another very person kind. who you should get on is Gabby Roslin because Gabby Roslin is, without a doubt, the nicest lady <laughs> ever. She just makes you feel good about being with her. Oh, really? Yeah, and... and also, if I'm feeling a little bit shit, mm. I'll watch one of her Instagram posts and I feel happy. She's that oh, person. Okay. But Fern uh, and Happy Place, for me, it's relaxing. It's She gives a really positive message. And again, you can't underestimate the power of a positive message. Mm. Yeah. So smiling, being happy, laughing, laughing, having fun, sunshine, going to a happy place is important mm. wherever that is yep um columbia road is for me mm. on a sunday epping forest uh, victoria park my east salon yeah like i come in here being around people that make you happy is really really you mm. can't underestimate the power of that yeah and all of those things for me are really yeah positive oh adam can only ever help yes adam i'm very grateful to you for being so honest and it's my pleasure talking about this on the show thank you obviously all the links to everything that we have discussed will be in the show notes uh, so you're well, gonna another couple of hours <laughs> putting all of that together but again if only one of those things helps mm. it's really worth trying it and as i said i've tried thousands mm. thousands and thousands of things over the years and a lot of it hasn't helped mm. but oh and as i said crystals yeah really good and there is a book at the moment out i'll write what the book is called yeah i'll put it's it in the show notes emma lucy yeah emma lucy knowles yes i know exactly who you mean yeah and her book is brilliant because it gives you a really really good understanding of crystals mm. and again i was into crystals didn't quite understand some of them or where you place them or what you mm. do with them and she really helped with her book okay. it's brilliant we'll put the link to that in the show notes yep. as well thank you again my pleasure as always and thank you anytime Before you go, I just want to remind you that there's a lot of information in that episode and all of the links 
So everything that was mentioned can be found in the show notes wherever you are streaming and downloading this episode. There are resources available to you should you need them. If you want to get in touch with me, then please do email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can always slide into my DMs on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. And if you want to start a conversation with other podcast listeners, why not join the Facebook group? Again, the link to join is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next one. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.